Welcome to Empower to Grow, the podcast. I am your host, Hanan Elbasha, the business doctor. Following our conversations with empowered women who woke up one day and consciously claimed, I am more than enough, I am worthy, I am empowered to grow. And along their empowering journey towards realizing their own potential and their quest for growth, they became a beacon of hope and guidance for others. May you also find your inner power to grow. Hey, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Empower to Grow podcast. This is your host, Hanan Elbasha. I am super excited to be here today with a lovely lady who actually we met online, and that is one of the perks of online life. (laughs) (laughs) It's crossing paths with amazing empowered women in their own sense. My guest today is Nicole Webb, and she is an Australian lady who happened to be an expat for a a good chunk of her life. And she ended up in China. And then she found the opportunity being embedded in a new culture, new society to, well, literally take off the lens of, of judgment and stereotyping and really see how similar we are. And she became an author, an author of China Blonde Book. So Nicole, welcome. Thank you for accepting the invitation. Thank you so much for asking me. Thank you for having me. It's my <laughs> it's pleasure to see you again. Thank Love you. to see you online. Yes. Thank you. Well, I always start with this question. I say, the show is called Empowered to Grow. What, how did that resonate with you? Or what did that mean for you when I said, Nicole, I'd love to interview you on my podcast and it's Empowered to Grow? You, yeah, it's funny. It made me stop and think about what had really empowered me to grow in my mm-hmm. life um, and it was before we even went on our expat adventure actually it was um, I was working as a journalist and I was a newsreader for a channel a 24-hour news channel um, in Australia in Sydney and um, I'd been in a few um difficult relationships you might say Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) and things weren't really going well and I was 35 and I thought you know I think I really need to do something maybe for myself for the first time to grow myself and empower myself because I think I was feeling um you know that I had very little power at that stage even though I had this amazing career that I'd really worked hard for Mm. other things in my life were bringing me down and bringing that down so I really um, decided to uh, go and volunteer in Africa um, uh, in Kenya with a few friends two two girlfriends I was going alone at first but we sort of managed to meet up over the months of organizing it and um, yeah we went there for six weeks uh, where we um, volunteered at a, child, a children's orphanage. And I think that was sort of the catalyst for me really um, changing paths and really looking inward at who I was and growing and, you know, because yeah, the start, of, <laughs> the start of new things. Exactly. So that that's what I felt came to my mind, actually, when I was looking at that's interesting. I didn't get that yeah. before, so thank you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> well, speaking of being empowered to grow, you, you've got a story as well, and that story ended up with a book. So would you tell us a little bit more about how you empowered yourself to grow through your journey? Yeah, Not well, that. gee. <laughs> <laughs> Beyond that, well, um, really it was a matter of while I had, as I said, become a newsreader, and that was sort of my dream job, or so I thought, 
um, I married my husband who was a hotelier and he, um, they like you to progress and move around. And mm -hmm. um, at the time I remember not being particularly enthused, not because I didn't want to live overseas, but I think I just felt I was too old and I'd missed that boat. Yeah. Um, but um, so we kind of dismissed it for a little while. And then maybe a year later into our marriage, he a job came up in Hong Kong mm -hmm. and uh, you know I, I had just lost a friend one of my best friends to cancer so I guess that really um showcased or highlighted how short life can be um mm -hmm. and I really thought you know what I just think you know we, we we could be doing the same thing if in another decade it's very easy time flies doesn't it yeah, it would be true. very easy for me to be driving into the same car park um at sky news and reading the same news bulletin in the same shift and i thought i can't because I, I didn't feel like i had much motivation at that time because mm -hmm. i'd been there for 10 years in, and you know and i'd achieve what i wanted to achieve so i just found myself saying to james i think we should go like why don't you put your um, hand up for the job and see if we can get it yeah um, terror I was terrified as all expats <laughs> are I guess you think, yeah oh what am I doing it's an adventure and <laughs> it is and my mum kept saying that to me it's an adventure what's the worst that can happen you can come home you know exactly. um, then the week that we he found out he got the job we also found out that we were having baby <laughs> for oh. the first time so it was like, oh wow okay this adventure's really gonna be fun <laughs> That's a multifaceted adventure. Yes, yes. So here we are arriving in uh, the amazing Hong Kong, um, pregnant, uh, left my job behind. Uh, we're living in the hotel for a while. Like We don't have cars and can't drive and don't know anyone. So, yeah, it was really um, scary, mm -hmm. um, but also, I guess, invigorating. Yeah. Um, and I guess, you know, you're, as an expat, it takes quite a long time to settle in. Yes. Um, and I think you just have to really go with that and be patient. I remember I was quite impatient, especially being pregnant with hormones you know, <laughs> running through me. Yep, that, my, that period poor, never gets erased from my mind. Uh, <laughs> my poor husband, he's trying to, you know, do a new job and, and prove himself in this role and, of course, working many hours and in Hong Kong, you know, they work like crazy. They're really hard yeah. workers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, so it was it was considered early if he left the office at 7 p.m. at night, you uh -huh. know. So so I was alone quite a lot and I kind of had to kind of wander through the streets, waddle and see what I could <laughs> see and, you know, um, come to terms with a lot of things, you know, identity as we mentioned earlier. Yes. Um, suddenly I had to think about who was I? Because I guess I didn't realise that being a newsreader had really been so tied up in my identity. Yeah. And even, you know, if I'm honest, the whole ego thing, because you are on camera and you, you know, you have that attention and that is tied into it. And it was all about kind of taking a step back and thinking, no, who am I really? Who am I? Yeah. yeah. All of that, <laughs> I love know? that phrase. So, <laughs> yeah. So it was, it took a while and I was quite agitated for a while especially when I looked at my the visa and it said housewife and I was like this is yeah. not <laughs> you know um how can that be and yeah. then of course you have a new baby and the baby doesn't sleep and you know you feel like all you're doing is changing nappies and feeding them around the clock so um yeah it took a while for me to work out perhaps what I could do and what I wanted to do mm -hmm. and um, through word of mouth, I got offered a job emceeing an event, which I went and did when Ava was nine weeks old. And uh, 
I was scared. Again, I hadn't really done any emceeing um, mm. and, I, you know, I must have been okay because they asked me back for 10 years in a row. <laughs> so I still go back to Hong Kong. Um, well, sorry, I'm going to gonna cut you off. For those who don't know, emceeing is Master of Ceremony, which is presenting at special yes. occasions. So just so everyone's yes. on board with us. <laughs> yes, so you're basically hosting and it's a bit like reading the news, but you've got the entire audience in front of you, which was a bit more nerve-wracking for me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that, that was sort of the catalyst, I guess, for doing more things. Um, I wanted to obviously have work that was flexible, having yeah. a baby and being in mm -hmm. a foreign country. And I started to write. Um, I mean, I had written as a journalist, but that's very short sharp stories you know exactly. two minute here you know who why where what how um but I started a blog which I wanted to tell about life in Hong Kong and mm -hmm. um be a bit creative and I found I really enjoyed it and I think I was going back to my roots really because as a kid that's what I loved doing mm -hmm. um so I, I sort of felt at home again you know writing and um we were in Hong Kong for four years uh and we ended up loving it um Great. I once I got over all of those <laughs> initial <laughs> stages of culture shock. Um, and then my husband got the call to move again because he needed to be the general manager of a ho his own hotel. He was number two at that point. So um, China kept coming up. Mm -hmm. And um, we kept trying to sort of avoid it. <laughs> and we had, we tried other, you know, there were Bangkok and Seoul and Bali. Jobs came up, but then they came and went or James got down to the top three and it didn't work out. Or we went and said, we said no to a couple. We actually said no to Wuhan in China. Um, we went up there and it was just so different to anything in Hong Kong, you yes. know, once you cross yeah. that border. Um, but it was clear, you know, six months later that China was not going anywhere. They were just building, you know, a phenomenal. <laughs> You've got to go to the homeland. <laughs> yeah. So I said, you know what, I think we've just got to do it, you know. And again, I thought it's another adventure and, I, and, it, and it does empower you. You know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. And I had survived Hong Kong and I thought, well, we can survive this. You know, how bad can it be? And <laughs> and if it is if it is that bad, we could always leave, you know. So... Um, Xi'an came up and that's in uh, sort of the middle of China, the central sort of northwest of China. Um, and um, James went up first uh, and then we went up a few weeks later mm -hmm. and Ava was three and a half at that point. Um, yeah, so and their life began in a new city of nine million people. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> Hong Kong had nine million people as well, but they were chalk and cheese. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah. that's the, the that's the the amazing thing is, again, what I wouldn't say the stories we tell ourselves, but there's also you know media plays a huge role in forming our conceptions, yes. and mm -hmm. our um, our perception of different cities and different cultures and different places of the world. I remember when I went um, to the states for the first time, for the example, and they're like, "Where are you from?" And I'm like, "I'm Egyptian." It's like, "Huh, really?" Like, you know, yeah. it's like intriguing. Uh, like we thought everyone's a terrorist over there in the Middle East. I'm like, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my friends from school, I mean, I went to school in Kuwait and I remember my friend, uh, went, they went to Canada, for example, or the States for university and they came back and I'm like, how are people taking you? Like, how are they accepting? It's like, oh, they were fascinated that I came from a British school. They thought we all live in tents and ride camels. They're like, yeah, we ride our camel to school in the morning. You know? Yeah, But it know. is those kind of things. And as you said, like for you, it was like intimidating and intriguing moving to, well, 
Mm. Far east, or moving to a country that literally is well, it's on top of where you actually are. But but it is, it, we get intimidated by the stories because what do we expect? And as you said, how bad can it be? But in exactly. essence, it could be an actually a very pleasant experience. And I think we also forget that they are equally as intimidated by us, which yes, I yeah. guess I I, yeah. I didn't realize either. You know, while I was sort of a bit daunted you know, because we would walk outside of the hotel and Ava being very blonde and very fair-skinned, they were fascinated yeah. by us because I think many of them um, were from different parts of China who'd never really seen a white person. Mm-hmm. So they were just, wow, you know. And it took a while for us to realise, were they thinking, wow, in a good way or wow, in a bad way, you know. <laughs> were they, was it scary? Um, because it was scary in the beginning when they would pick her up and I think these are strangers, you know. You wouldn't yeah. let a stranger pick up your child in Australia. But it took a while for me to realise it, it is harmless. Mm. Um, it's just a pure fascination yeah. um, with us just as, you know, we are fascinated by them. And mm-hmm. it is, you know, they and often they've only seen um, Westerners on American movies yeah. um, in, in those second, third tier cities in China Um, and you know all we see is the news stories all the time of them behaving badly Um, so you know we don't really know what a culture is like exactly I love this so you decided to capture your experience in a book I did I mean I would always wanted to write a book um, (laughs) and I didn't quite know what it would be about but as soon as we sort of went to China and and stepped on Chinese soil and it was just so fascinating and mad and crazy and busy you know just (laughs) beeping day and night firecrackers going off left right and center (laughs) cars just you know colliding all over the road in different directions you know bikes with four or five people on them no helmets it was just different to anything I had seen even Hong Kong um you know little it was kind of like going back in time in the mm. 70s, everyone smoking, um, street food carts all over the I'm place. I'm sorry, I'm laughing because this is so Egypt for me. I mean, this is... Oh, yeah. Just like, I think, yeah. Yeah, that's a very for us. Yeah, exactly. So it was just really different. And I just thought, wow, I mean, there's got to be a story in this. I didn't quite know what it would be. Um, but the more I was there, the more I realised I wanted to try and show the world what the you know, average Chinese person is like rather than, you know, the economy is second largest in the world or the po- political party, the communist mm-hmm. party, you know. So um, I did a lot of interviews, put my journalism to good use. Once I felt comfortable, I mean, it took about a year or even a year and a half um, to feel brave enough to do that sort of thing. And I had a translator. And, um, yeah, we interviewed all sorts of amazing people from World War II veterans um, that nice. sang Qing opera in the army to um, a Tibetan boy who was teaching a young Lama boy English to just your average um, young boy and girl that are living in China and, you know, all their thoughts on everything from marriage to education to politics to culture to life. And that was sort of the story. But then when I got back to Australia and was doing a lot of um, courses in writing because, I mean, it was a whole new world for me. I had no yeah. clue how to put it together. They said, uh, you have to be in the story. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> They're like, yeah, it's your journey. I'm like, really? Okay. So then I had to weave in all of our sort of daily adventures, um, challenges, you know, the trials and tribulations, the funny things, the not-so-funny things, keeping our relationship on 
track, you know, as you know, being in another yeah. country, it's so important to be on the same page. Yes. Um, you know, when are we going to leave? When are we going to stay? Um, so I talk about a lot of that. Um, we talk about the friendships because, you know, you meet, as you know, friends from yes. all walks of life <laughs> that you probably would not meet in a normal circle in your own home country. Yes. So you're exposed to so many different things, not just the Chinese or culture, you know, mm -hmm. lots of other cultures as well. Um, and, you know, what makes us gravitate towards certain friendships. Um, I found that quite interesting. So, yeah, there's a lot of different underlying themes there. And, but that's, um, but that's yeah. a wonderful thing. I think you, what you did is you personalized and personified culture from your own view, from your worldview lens. Yeah. But, but more importantly, in, in a way that actually honors the individuals in the story. So we're not just talking about China. We're talking about the individuals. And this is what I love about cross-cultural communication and I, mm. I, was, I mean I was born and raised in Kuwait and as an Egyptian I was embedded into like I grew up into this I call it a melting pot of civilizations and nationalities and cultures and viewpoints and stuff and that's what I always loved about it is there's a person behind the story rather than saying Americans or British mm. or you know Asian Not that or broad, whatever broad generalization exactly. that there's have. this yeah you know, Middle Easterners are like immediately you think well whatever <laughs> whatever you think it's mm. just there's but you have an image there. right there's immediately exactly and it's usually from the media because yes. we just see so we see snippets of life and it's usually when something's going wrong so you know we don't often have that insider's view and of course my view is only from a westerner's point of view so <laughs> You know, obviously, I'm not claiming to know what the Chinese think, but I did get a lot of them to, to tell me and talk to me and, you know, as much as they could. And yeah. um, it was really interesting to hear their viewpoints about life there. And, you know, that a lot of them don't even really see what's going on in yeah. around the world anyway. They're kind of, you know, in their little bubble there. Yep. And, and they mean no harm, or, yep. you know. So, but yeah. It's life for them. That's their perspective. I love that. Exactly. So from your experiences, from where you stand now, what advice would you impart on your 20-year-old self? Oh, gee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like to surprise them with this question. Yeah, you know what? Oh, don't waste so much time on boys. <laughs> <laughs> That's very valid advice. <laughs> yes. Stop wasting all your energy. Get out there. And, uh, you know, I wish I had traveled more. I was so... Um, concerned I wanted to be a journalist and I, I can be quite determined yeah. and I was like if I leave the country and do a gap year or go overseas I might miss out yeah. so therefore I stayed put um, you know looking back I would think just go just go and have the adventure have the fun do it you'll learn so much anyway and so much more um, yeah and don't be so stressed out and caught up by the small things yeah. you know um, try and embrace as much as you can and learn as much as you can about different people and cultures and it's a big wide world isn't it that's true and that's true so yeah. if we take the other end of the spectrum now from a time capsule perspective what would you like your 90 year old self to thank you for mm. wow mm. <coughs> my 90 year old self I hope I'm still going at 90 um <laughs> I hope I'm still writing books. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yes. Um, is the plan. Let's put that as the intention. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, what would I like my 90-year-old to tell myself? To thank you for. 
to thank me for. Yes. Maybe I would like to her maybe to thank me for going out there and achieving uh, my dreams, Mm -hmm. for not giving up Mm -hmm. Um, because it's very easy to give up. It's very easy to think it's too hard and often I have nothing that really has come to me has been easy. I've always had to take that difficult path even from becoming a journalist to becoming a newsreader to becoming an author. Um, All of that's been tricky. You know, I've had lots of rejections and told, you're not right for it or whatever. So I think it's always just fine. I'm, I'm thankful for myself that I always find another way of doing it um, and I don't give up and I will keep going <laughs> until I, I get there. That. I love that. Mm. So I like to sum up with this question. You're on a stage and you're talking to tens of thousands of women and the speech is more like empowered to grow. So it revolves around that topic. What would be your closing statement to them? What would be the message you leave them with? Oh, gosh. To grow. Um, I think to be yourself. Don't let anyone change who you are and don't let anyone try to put you in a box Mm-hmm. Um, we are all very unique. We're all very different. And, and that, that is our, that's our song, you know. Mm-hmm. Nobody's the same and don't ever be uh, afraid or sad or disappointed because you don't look like or sound like or your brain's not the same, you know, or you haven't achieved the same or, you know, I think you're, you are you and you are very unique. And I think that's, you've got, that's your calling card. Remember that. That's really special and important and no one else in the world is like you. Sure. My message always. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. Nicole, this has been amazing. Um, Where can our listeners or viewers uh, find you uh, in virtual space? Uh, They can find me on my website, uh, www.nicolewebonline.com. Um, and that will have all the details of everything there. Um, but I'm on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, and that's all Nicole Webb online. Um, so you can find me there. And I've got a blog, Mint Mocker Musings, um, which I don't write on as much because I'm not overseas having as much fun. <laughs> but, uh, um, there's lots of amazing stories on there as well. So, yeah, you. but if you go to my website, that is generally where you can. Where um, they can find you. Find everything, Yes. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your energy and for sharing with us these amazing stories. Oh, thank you. It's been such a pleasure. It's been really fun. Thank you. As always, I would encourage you to, of course, (laughs) get in touch with Nicole and follow her and see uh, her adventures and her viewpoints. And it's amazing that at the end of the day, if, again, I always call for this, if we're more human and we're more humane, um, we will be able to shed a lot of the, the things that separate us and we will be able to connect on so many more levels than we already do. Well, as always, you can empower yourself to grow. Your empowered you does empower others. So love, abundance and prosperity to you all. Thank you for listening to the Empowered to Grow podcast. For further engagement with a tribe of empowered women, join my Facebook group, Empowered to Grow, or visit my website, www.hananelbasha.com. I'll catch you on the next episode. And until then, know that empowered you empowers others. Love, abundance, and prosperity to you all.